I'm Christina. And this is Erin. And you're listening to Something to Wag About. <laughs> so would you consider your agility this morning something that substitutes for a walk? Well, all, it almost could be on the exercise route, right? So, Or it could also be a training walk. It could be a training walk. Yeah. So agility can fit the needs of either a training session. So a training walk. So we can either take our dogs for a walk and train them loose leash walking, or I'm taking my dog to agility and training agility. So it's meeting that more of the um, mental enrichment part of dog training, or it's also a way for dogs to release some physical energy. So Mm -hmm. it definitely isn't the third category which I think is very important for dogs, which is our, our sniff and be a dog and decompress away from everyday crazy urban life. So let's talk about our three categories. If our third one is that decompression sniffy walk that um, we've talked about before, or I think you've probably, people have probably heard about that online. What about the other types of walks? We have our training walks, which can be a variety of things, anything that we, something we are working on with our dog, whether or not we're talking about some behavior modification, reactivity type work, or something along the lines of obedience. So again, that loose leash walking, uh, maybe just focusing on me engagement in, in a distracting environment, I would classify those all as training walks. And what's our other category? Uh, our last category is some sort of physical exercise for our dogs. So if we can't get out to a field or something like that, where our dogs can just run and you have dogs that need to just move to get rid of some physical energy, then this is just finding a way to get the movement, whether or not that's going for a run or, you know, for some smaller dogs, just a fast paced walk is good enough. Um, or maybe attaching them to a bike and going for a bike ride together, just a way for them to actually uh, expend that. Mm-hmm. What about playing some Frisbee? Would that count there? Well, <laughs> I'm actually going to say it depends. Yes, they, it can. Absolutely. I mean, uh, playing Frisbee, playing ball, anything like that does definitely count as physical exercise, but it is going to depend on your dog a little bit in my, in my opinion, because I would never want to give my dog physical exercise in that matter at the sake of potentially really getting them worked up on a arousal basis. Some dogs, if you just are chucking this, chucking this, chucking this, chucking ball, chucking ball, chucking ball, uh, two things can happen. A, that really winds some dogs up. So although they're getting physical exercise, uh, they're also rehearsing and practicing this very over-aroused state. Um, and two, repetitive stuff like that can lead to injuries. So I'm not, I'm not super keen on that type of stuff. So we're all really big on decompression walks and things these days, and that's super important. And I don't think there's a substitute for that for a lot of dogs. A lot of dogs need that sniffy walks, decompression walks. They actually 
need it in order to be mentally well. But I think we're also forgetting that for some breeds in particular, um, my Enzo for one, a lot of German Shepherds um, for another, they really crave and need a real physical challenge. And that's where those other types of walks, going for a run on a bike or going for a run with you or playing Frisbee, I think that type of exercise is just as important as an outlet for some dogs. Um, and if we're just doing the decompression stuff, that's when for my guy, if he, it, I might see something like deer chasing, he starts seeking more of a physical challenge. So I need to make sure I meet all of those needs, not just one or two categories. So do you think that that is strictly the need for sprinting, potentially fast turns, this type of thing versus actually requiring some mental challenge in with physical exercise? Yep. I think that's different. I think he requires mental challenge for sure. He's a high needs dog, but I think he really needs a physical challenge. And that's not the same as going for a snippy walk or a decompression walk. He won't get it that way. So what if you have dogs that when they go out together on these decompression walks and they really like um, chasing each other? So yeah. they get a lot of sprinting and, um, you know, fast turns, deking, depending how they like to play. That's a way to get That's that physical challenge. But as you know, my dogs don't yeah. play with yeah, each yeah. other. <laughs> Your <laughs> dogs like to stare at sticks and play with sticks <laughs> on walks. Um, but I think dogs that wrestle like that, that is them saying, hey, right now wrestling and using my body and having a physical challenge is more important than running through the bushes and peeing on trees. Right. Yeah. And they're, they're just self-regulating which need they have. And once that physical need is met, then they go back to more parallel. I pee on this, you sniff that, I sniff that. Um, and a lot of dogs do that naturally, but my dogs don't do it naturally. Right. And I think, I don't even know, definitely breed matters in terms of this, but I think a lot of it is also individual dog, but potentially also how they've been raised. Mm -hmm. Um, because I know my dogs and I haven't actually told you how I am hoping with my next dog to focus them a bit more on walks with, uh, with either toy or something like that. But anyway, that aside, I but my, I think you actually told me that before you got Vilia. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, but then I didn't do it. Um, but so V when I raised her a lot and, and, you know, and I, I don't actually know if when I get my next dog, I will, because when I go for walks, I actually really just like to, to look at the trees, enjoy the trees, watch my dogs run and together, but not necessarily be interacting a lot with them. I mean, I do definitely still interact. I, I reward them when they come back to me, I have them jump on things. Like I am still interacting, but not in a, in a super um, physical way. Mm -hmm. So for my dogs, when they go on walks, they actually really enjoy chasing each other and that type of thing. So I've never really thought the need to specifically go and do physical mm -hmm. exercise type walks with them. Although obviously I do, I mean, I play disc with them. I play agility with them. So they are getting that, that need, but I think if I didn't do that stuff, um, because of how I've structured our decompression walks, you can't see my air quotes or air quotes, but I kind of, my decom decompression and physical walks are kind of mushed into one just because of how I've 
I structure our walks. Yeah. And because of the dogs you have. Yeah. Um, I, because Jubilee's reactive, I need to keep her somewhat in tune with me on those decompression walks because I need to know that if a dog appeared around the corner, I need to know she'll recall. Right. Um, and so kind of keeping her a little bit connected is a safety issue for us on our walks. Right. And for Enzo, who um, will be a deer chaser, chaser if allowed, is the same idea. It's a safety thing. I don't, I don't think dogs should be allowed to chase wildlife. I don't think it's fair to the wildlife or safe for the dogs. Mm -hmm. The same idea. If a deer pops up, I need to know that I can call him off 100% of the time. And so I do keep my dogs a little more engaged on walks than you do, but I don't think you have the same challenges with your dogs. Right. Um, that I have. And also your dogs, I love that they love to wrestle. Like Jubilee would love to wrestle and, and you've seen her with Bilia sometimes. And she tries so hard to get Enzo to wrestle with her, but Enzo is just not a wrestle with other dogs kind of guy. Yeah. Well, and it is interesting because you, you mentioned the idea of reactivity and um, you know, like I have a new training plan with me. And so now I actually have implemented some of these uh, actual straight exercise walks for the purpose of reactivity because, yeah. you know, Vilia is reactive um, in some situations. When we are out on walks, when she has um, freedom, most of her reactivity comes on on leash or if she is over aroused uh, already. So a lot of times it hasn't been an issue for me because when she's just off leash sniffing, it's not really a big problem. But as we know in sports, when I'm trying to <laughs> trial, she uh, can get reactive because the disc is current. It increases her arousal quite a bit. So part of the training plan is these idea of physical walks or for me running because I'm trying to get fit too. In that we just move. She is on a leash, so she doesn't have that extra freedom. She's on a leash and we are just moving together so that she can't focus on each person we pass and each dog that we pass. So definitely the physical, and it's, it's interesting. It's where all the categories can kind of start to intermingle because it's both a physical walk, but I'm also really using it for training too, to help her with reactivity. So what do you think about dogs that maybe don't quite have very high needs in terms of physical energy and that the world is actually a little overwhelming for them when they leave their house. How do, how do you handle those dogs? And are we talking about Riker <laughs> and uh, little Aussie that's currently licking my hand? <laughs> <laughs> I think for these dogs, we can get away with doing a lot more mental stimulation at home. Yeah. So um, Riker, <laughs> I, I like actually, I asked you this question once and you answered it and it's now my favorite answer to this question. How much mental stimulation do you need to do to tire out a border collie? And do you remember what your answer was? I don't. <laughs> you said, that's a trick question. You can't tire out a border collie with mental stimulation. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love that. I tell that to people all the time. Um, so I can tire out Riker mentally by doing a lot of stuff at home. And then he gets, um, if I can't get out somewhere that's safe for him off leash, which I have to drive quite a ways to find those places for him because he is overstimulated by the environment. And when he's overstimulated, his go-to move is to bolt. And that's very unsafe. 
So I can't just take him to a school field and let him off leash because if two other dogs showed up, instead of running to me, he would then bolt. And that's, yeah. that's a safety issue. So Riker gets stimulation at home. He gets snuffle mats and food toys aplenty. And then we do our, every couple of days or sometimes twice a day, like yesterday, we do our three and a half K walk on a long line around the neighborhood. Um, so his needs are different. If I, if he was a border collie, I would have to make the time to drive out further to get him that other exercise more often or find some fenced areas where I could do things like ball or something like that. That's safe for him. Right. Yeah. It's, it is a client that will always stick out in my head. And I remember the, the thing that she loved most about our session together was, and she almost just looked when she asked me, she just almost looked defeated and beaten. And she was like, I don't know what to do because when I go to take my dog for a walk, he just plants himself at the door. And then like, I pretty much have to drag him the whole way. And he just doesn't, he doesn't want to leave. And then I, I asked her, I was like, so why do you take him for a walk? And pretty much people say, well, because you're supposed to, right? <laughs> you're supposed to take my dog for a walk, that they need it. And although I agree, in most cases, we do want to make sure our dogs are getting exercise. Um, dogs should have a choice and they don't have to have, not all dogs have to have a walk every day. When I told her that, like her face just beamed. She was like, I don't have to walk my dog every day. And I'm like, no, not if your dog's telling you he does not want to go. Um, and it was, it was a dog that very obviously, like he just had lower energy needs and he just loved being with his family and they did great about doing mental training. He had all the snuffle mess. He had all that stuff. So he, his needs were being met. And I was just like, you don't, you don't have to take him out every day. So it's, it's definitely something to consider. And and with Pippin, I ask him if he wants to go. I mean, he has, he is an, he, he is an Australian Shepherd. So generally they do, they, they do have higher energy needs, but he has bad knees and, you know, he mentally isn't always all there. It's uh, <laughs> a nice way to put it. Uh, so he's just, he, he gets very overwhelmed by the world a lot of times. And I ask him when I want to go, like when I'm, when I'm going out for a walk, I'll just be like, Pippin, you want to come for a walk? And he'll tell me, he'll either come to my gate and I'll put his collar on and we'll go, or he will just keep lying on his bed and he'll stare at me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and onwards we go. And for him, he usually only wants to come out two or three times a week. And that, that meets his needs. And we do a lot of training at home and, and he's a happy guy. So, and he's the poster child for genetics or just one piece. Yes. You think Ozzy and you think high needs exercise wise and he wants to go play ball and chase things and go for hikes and Pippin doesn't and that so the genetics are just one piece the the self everything else is just as important mm -hmm. um, if anyone hasn't read it yet meet your dog by Kim Brophy is amazing it's available on Amazon uh, for not too much um, great book about the the whole picture of the dog from the other side of the coin from your client that you just mentioned. I have a client with a young shepherd. She's seven months old and she's reactive to dogs, some people. And for her, before we go out on our training walks and before she takes her out on a decompression walk, I actually have her playing fetch and really giving that dog a chance to use her body. She's gonna play fetch, she's gonna play tug and really give the pup a chance to have those physical challenges 
then they can go for a walk. So we'll do some tug and fetch and then some scatters, calm her down. And then she can go out on those hikes. And then she's not looking for a chance to use her body. And I think that's for that dog, why a lot of her reactivity is there. She just wants to use her body. She wants those physical challenges. So we make sure those needs are met before we go out on our training walks or our decompression walks and then go a lot more smoothly. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, and I'm sure you have very many other clients who are in, in similar, in similar situations where their dogs just aren't getting the chance to move their bodies as much, especially in urban environments where, you know, people put their dog on a, a five foot lead and say they walk around the block for an hour every day and they're confused as to why maybe their German shepherd is reactive. Um, <laughs> and you know, uh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, right from the get-go when I'm working with people, like when we're doing our puppy classes and stuff, we always mention that before attempting to loose leash walk your dog, or in, in the case of reactivity, before attempting to do your training walks, it is important that they get the chance to just get that energy out, especially for puppies, like when they're young and they're bouncy and they're crazy, they need to be able to just satisfy that need to move and be puppies. And then we can do some training. Right. And yeah, same with reactive dogs. I love that. That applies into puppy class too, which um, I'm not teaching anymore, but I always felt so bad for the people and the puppies who were in a 5 PM puppy class and they work till 4 30 and they go home and their puppy's been in a crate or in a contained area for four or five hours. And they rip the puppy out and they go for a potty and they go in the car and now they're in class. And the puppy is supposed to learn hand targets and downs and stays and relaxation protocol. And the puppy just needs to move. And I think that's um, something I really emphasized when I was teaching the puppy classes is that make sure you sign up for a class that gives you time or hire someone to help you. Um, to give your puppy that, not, not, you know, hike up a mountain and tire them out or anything, but give them a chance to use their bodies before you bring them into an overstimulating environment and ask them to concentrate on you. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to um, end on a fun story? You got to play with a new dog today, right? I got to run my trainer's little Kelpie. And now I want a Kelpie. <laughs> <laughs> I actually love both of her Kelpies very much. Um, but yeah, fun little powerhouse of a dog and obviously has a lot of training. So she, she, uh, it, it was fun to actually be able to run a course because V's not quite there yet. So it was a lot of fun to have a dog that could do all these fancy moves and I could work on myself. So yeah, it was fun. And I do really <laughs> and love Kelpie. <laughs> for our listeners, your face, you're just beaming. <laughs> I know. It was a lot of fun. 